Welcome. You're listening to the How to Make a Life podcast. I'm your host, licensed clinical social worker and life coach, Cheryl Wolverton. Your life is unique to you, and there's no such thing as one size fits all. Your beautiful world needs to be different from your mother's, sister's, and best friend. I empower my clients in recognizing their individual needs and guide them in establishing a personalized how-to manual specifically for them. This is a podcast that helps you stop searching for that one perfect how-to plan and realize you are the expert of you. Life doesn't come with instructions. We each get to write our own. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the How to Make a Life podcast. I'm your host, Cheryl Wolverton, and you're listening to episode 49, How Gratitude Can Change Your Life. I say it regularly, but I am so grateful you've chosen to join me. Gratitude is one of my favorite subjects to discuss, and this emotion is powerful, and honestly, it truly can change your life. Even before this episode, you may have heard that developing a simple habit of listing three things each day you're grateful for can change your life. However, I also know that developing this habit is not easy. Research finds that individuals who have a gratitude practice consistently are happier and have less depression and anxiety. Here are a few findings I want to share with you. The immune system responds to emotions. Worry, anger, and fear cause white blood cells to attach and leave inflammation, which can often lead to significant health problems. A constant state of stress creates constant inflammation. Research has consistently shown that keeping a gratitude journal can lower blood pressure, lower levels of depression, and improve sleep patterns. 80% of people surveyed said that they would work harder for a more grateful boss, while 70% reported they would feel better about themselves if a boss expressed gratitude. Research also shows it takes four to five positive statements to counterbalance one negative statement. There has also been found to be an inverse connection between stuff and gratitude. Materialism has been consistently related to lower levels of life satisfaction. Research shows that people receive more lasting joy from experience than from objects. And finally, I want you to know that a consistent gratitude practice will affect how you look at every event in your life. In its simplest form, the word gratitude is to have appreciation and to show thankfulness. It is very easy for each of us to fall into the trap of negativity. Consider the fact that it can take five positive statements to counterbalance one negative statement. It is very easy to fall down the rabbit hole of negativity. I don't want this episode to come across that we do not need to acknowledge our negative statements, emotions, and feelings. There are times when I allow my clients to have a pity party, and then I remind them, like all good parties, it must end. I want to go ahead and acknowledge that I understand there are times in our lives that it can be very hard to feel there's anything to be grateful for. But by simply learning this practice, we train ourselves to look for the good or positive in a situation, even if it is a very, 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 very small gratitude. Gratitude is an emotion that comes from how you and I choose to see the world and a situation that we're dealing with. With a consistent gratitude practice, one begins to become more aware of the positive things in life, 
even the small things that are often taken for granted. I have shared this story before, but personally, the first time I had an aha moment that practicing gratitude can change how you think and see a situation was when my mom was diagnosed with cancer. Thankfully, my mom did not need much physical care until the end of her journey, and my grandmother, who I should note, my 85-year-old grandmother at the time, stayed with my mom and could drive her the 15 minutes or so to her radiation treatments in their town. I was the coordinator of mom's appointments, and because I needed to have some control over my life at that time, I continued to work full-time and teach a college course and do a lot of other things. Probably not the smartest idea, but it was what I needed to do because if I'd taken time off, there really wasn't much I could do for my mom. Anyway, during this time, I learned to ask for help from family and friends for when mom needed to come to her doctor's appointments in Lexington, which was about a 30-minute drive on the interstate. I don't know what was going on on this particular morning that stands out to me other than I was managing about 10 things and I was going over a list of what was happening that day and backing out of my garage at what was an ungodly hour. I remember this because it wasn't daylight. And as I went through the list, I said to myself, I'm just so grateful for all my help. I didn't go, oh my God, my mom is dying, which I knew that she was, or oh my God, I can't do all of this. No, I immediately went to what I was appreciative of. It was just automatic. And I remember stopping and recognizing that. During that time of my life, I made it a significant point to each day express gratitude, whether it be in a journal, to someone, or often it was in a regular email update that I sent out to my friends. At the same time, I was being realistic. As I said, I knew she was dying, and I was allowing myself to feel all of these emotions. But by purposely looking for the good, I was rewiring my brain. Now, when I say I rewired my brain, I was creating new neural pathways in my brain. How you and I choose to see the world becomes a pathway, and then it becomes how we see everything. It is our default path and habit of thinking. I know that you likely know someone who automatically goes to the worst case scenario over just about everything in their life. My clients who live with anxiety have established their thought patterns to the point that often anxiety is the only emotion that they have in every situation. Additionally, individuals who live with depression often state that they do not see anything in their life to be happy or grateful about. I don't want to go into a long discussion here about neuroplasticity of our brains, but what I want you to know is our brain has the capability of growing new neurons and connections. We do this by practicing whatever skill we're wanting to establish in our life. We can create a new default path. A simple example is brushing our teeth. You likely no longer think about how you need to brush your teeth in the morning because you have just created that pathway. Athletes and musicians establish pathways for their skills, and all of this comes from consistent practice. Our brains like easy, and it is up to you and me to become aware of what easy pathways we have established in our thinking. Sadly, sometimes our easy thought pathways are not benefiting us in any manner whatsoever. Establishing a gratitude practice takes time, but in time it can become second nature. 
I suggest various ways of practicing gratitude, and my favorite is to make a practice of writing down at least three things each day that one is grateful for. When you begin this practice, it is okay if you use the same three things at times. For example, my husband is always on my list, but I also regularly do more than three things now. Nothing is too small or too big to be grateful for. You can be grateful that you made it across town in traffic safely. Someone held a door open for you rather than let it slam in your face. The sun was shining or that you had an umbrella when it was raining. Many of the women I work with struggle with body issues, whether that be weight or chronic health issues. Last week, a client shared with me that she hated her body because of her weight and a few other issues such as PCOS and endometriosis. It was totally understandable, but going back to knowing that our thoughts impact our physiological health, with her thoughts of hating her body, there's a greater chance of high blood pressure, stressful thoughts bring on inflammation, which we also know can lead to heart issues. And this cycle can go on. So for this particular client, I ask her to take a few minutes and consider what she might be grateful her body is doing for her. Most of us take for granted that we can get out of bed until we suddenly have back pain that stops us. Or we take for granted we can see and hear and taste food until suddenly we're no longer able to do so. My years of working in palliative and end-of-life care have given me a much greater realization that we often don't recognize what our body is doing for us. My client's homework was to begin each day acknowledging three things that she was grateful her body was doing for her. By beginning this practice, we were not ignoring her health concerns, but my hope is that I was helping her to begin see some slight changes in how she was physically feeling. This is another example of counterbalancing negative statements. She may be upset that she isn't losing weight, but she can also see that her body is getting stronger with regular exercise or that she can even exercise at all is a gratitude. We can establish our gratitude practice at any time of the day, but to create a habit, I encourage you to do so at the same time every day. Many people like to do it before going to bed and they have a small journal they write it down in before going to sleep. Others start their day off listing what they're grateful for. The time you decide to do it does not matter. How and where you write it down doesn't matter. I have clients who have journals dedicated to just gratitude. Others who have a section in their planner where they write down what they're grateful for. And others who include it as a part of their daily journal write. Although you can certainly type your gratitude out on your laptop or phone, I do want to encourage you to consider handwriting your gratitude. There is a different connection that is created when we handwrite anything, and we also know we are more likely to remember it, and it becomes more prevalent. Now, I've been talking about the benefit of listing your gratitude on a regular basis, but before I end today, I also want to discuss an interesting study and something that I'm going to encourage you to try. In this study, over 300 college students who were seeking mental health counseling at a university were placed into three different groups. They were recruited before their first session of counseling, and on average, they reported clinically low levels of mental health at the time. The majority were struggling with issues related to depression and anxiety. The students were randomly assigned to three groups. Although all three received counseling services, the first group was also instructed to write one letter of gratitude to another person each week for three weeks. 
whereas the second group was asked to write about their deepest thoughts and feelings about negative experiences. The third group did not do any writing activity at all. What was found was compared with the participants who wrote about negative experiences or received only counseling, those who wrote gratitude letters reported significantly better mental health four weeks and 12 weeks after their writing exercise ended. This suggests that gratitude writing can be beneficial not just for healthy, well-adjusted individuals, but also for those with mental health concerns. In fact, it seems practicing gratitude on top of receiving psychological counseling carries greater benefits than counseling alone, even when that gratitude practice is brief. I'm bringing up the study of gratitude letters because I want to point out this is something any of us can do at any time, whether we have a daily gratitude practice or not. And if you're not sure you're ready for a full-on daily practice, I encourage you to take some time to write a letter to someone you're grateful for. The good news for some of you is that you don't even have to send the letter. But I will tell you that being the recipient of someone stating how grateful they are provides an enormous benefit also. The times when a client has shared with me gratitude for our work together means more than I can put into words. For my birthday this year, I've made it a point to write gratitude letters to those that have been beneficial in my life, and I will tell you, I physically feel lighter after writing each of them, and it brings me happiness to remember what each of these individuals have done for me and what they mean to me. You can write a gratitude letter to anyone you are extremely grateful for, and perhaps you have never expressed gratitude to at all. It could be a relative, a friend, teacher, or colleague. As I said, you do not have to send the letter, but you may also choose to do so. Some people make it a point to do a face-to-face meeting to share the letter, while others may mail it, or not mail it at all, as I said. Here are a few suggestions that I have on how to write a gratitude letter. Write it as though you're addressing the person directly, dear, whoever. Don't worry about grammar or spelling. Describe in specific terms what this person did, why you're grateful to this person, and how their behavior affected your life. Try to be as concrete as possible. Describe what you're doing in your life now and how you often remember their efforts. And try to keep it roughly to one page, about 300 words. And of course, that's going to depend on what size your handwriting is. As I said, many gratitude letter suggestions will encourage you to meet in person to deliver the letter, but that isn't going to always be possible. And also, many of us are not going to feel comfortable doing that for a lot of different reasons. I'm hoping that you have received a few ideas on establishing a gratitude practice for yourself from this episode. It does take time, and if you're someone who is doubtful, maybe you want to consider just once per day expressing gratitude for something. Our days go by quickly, and it is up to each of us to make sure we're noticing what is going on around us. How you and I choose to see our world is totally under our control. Until next time, my friends, I want to thank you for listening. I'm forever grateful for each of you. If you love this episode, I would be honored if you subscribe, leave a short review, and share this episode with your friends. Continue the conversation with me on Facebook at How to Make a Life Health and Life Coaching and on Instagram at How to Make a Life. If you're interested in receiving my newsletter, working with me as a client, or hiring me as a speaker, visit my website at howtomakealife.com. Remember, 
life doesn't come with instructions. You get to write your own 